Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you have listened to our past podcast conversations. And if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcast, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and at any online book retailer you prefer. Check it out today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand, both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you're looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Katherine Harrison is a seasoned team leader, certified professional coach, expert facilitator, author, and behavior change specialist. All of her work has an underlying focus on mindfulness, accountability, conscious leadership of self and of others, and doing work that actually changes something. Katherine is also a songwriter, musician, writer, fierce environmentalist, love to know a little bit more about that, seeker, health nut, painter, and animal lover. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you, Ed. I'm so happy that we're having this opportunity to chat today. Well, I'm thrilled to be speaking with you, and I gave a very light introduction of you as we opened up. I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you do today as you interact in the marketplace. Well, you covered a lot of ground with that list of things, and, and I, you know, I try to... Um, to connect to all of those uh, various roles and hats um, on a daily or weekly basis, at least. And um, certainly through the last, what is it, nine months now, we've been dealing with this uh, new reality show we're all living in. It feels, uh, like, no, it feels like nine years. <laughs> it does feel like nine years. Um, you know, I've been, I really took a pause uh, back in March, um, I took a pause because I was forced to, because most of most of my work that had been planned um, came to a halt for for a variety of understandable reasons, and I, I took the opportunity really to to reflect and figure out what I was going to use this time to do, how I was going to perhaps reconnect to some of the places I had become disconnected from, um, and, and to re-engage with some of the the people in my um, communities that that I had become disconnected from. And so so in the past nine months, um, you know, I've been trying, as you are articulated, I first of all decided to move my back burner project of writing a book to the front burner um, and and went through that journey, which has been fascinating. But also really reconnected to my communities in the music space, to my communities in the business space as as they have been going through rapid and constant um, up, 
upheaval and and pivoting and innovating. Um, certainly getting out into nature every day with my dog um, and really just trying to engage in conversations with other people in any walks of life uh, from any of those communities and talking about how we have all been forced to either practice our ability to adapt or to notice where we need to cultivate some of that. Um, you know, we've, we've been offered up this uh, perfect opportunity to do so. And it's, and it's really, I think, um, enabled us to, to notice uh, where we perhaps have been disconnected from ourselves or from our values or from our communities and where we now have um, the, the time to even just observe and notice that a little bit more. So I've been trying to reconnect to all of those various hats and roles that I wear. Well, I think this is a time for all of us to pause. It was unintentional, but it happened. And uh, it becomes a great time, right, to think a little bit about who you are, how you are, and what are some areas that you'd love to make positive progress in. I certainly hope, selfishly, that people think about bravery as an area that might be of interest. And as they think about their workplace or even their personal relationships, you know, what are some things that haven't been said that need to be said? Or what are some things that haven't been done that need to be done? And how can I do them, right? What are some new or fresh ways that I can make progress on that front? So I hope this time of pause or slow down this, you know, creates the opportunities that you described and all of that as well. You have also written the book, Three Colors, 12 Notes. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about the book and when it's coming out. Yeah. So, wow. What a process that is. I, uh, <laughs> you know, I, as you know, um, you've got two under your belt, as, as I understand. Uh, congratulations on that. You know, I've always been, been a writer, um, whether it be lyrics or whether it be uh, poems or articles or just my, my almost daily journaling. And I thought, you know, you write a book, you just write a bunch of stuff and you put it together and you put it out there. Easy peasy, right? Uh, <laughs> so, so the the journey of of actually um, collecting this, as I refer to it, my virtual shoebox of writings that I had that I had um, created over the past maybe I don't know eighteen to twenty four months. I had written bits and pieces um, of seemingly disparate content. Um, just as it arrived to me or as I went through my life and noticed certain things. And, and then the process of turning it into a book really was, was kind of laying out all these puzzle pieces and figuring out what the common theme or themes were and, and, and kind of moving them around enough till they, till they made a, a cohesive and coherent picture for me. And, and those themes that seem to run through my life and, and the reflective stories in the book really were, uh, curiosity, creativity and, and humanness or, um, leadership, whether it be personal leadership. How do I lead myself? How do I lead within a family or whether it be, functional leadership, you know, the, the leadership roles that we play in society or in business. And so, um, the book really is a collection of, of personal stories and experiences that I've had both in personal and professional, 
landscapes of how and when my natural inclination towards curiosity and trying to understand everything and make sense of everything, you know, led me to incredible opportunities to, to expand, to um, learn and to grow. And, and also how I, I noticed, you know, the winds quote unquote were often tied to when I was very aligned and connected to my inner compass, to my inner values. And some of those places of misalignment is when I got disconnected from that. And when I, when I sort of, you know, tampered down the curiosity and that open-minded creativity and that human-centered leadership, and I got more connected to the flip side of fear or of constraint or of constriction. And so really the, the book is, is a collection of all of these things with an invitation also for the reader to pause as you and I both talked about how important we, we believe that pause is in, in life and in conversation, but for the reader to pause as they read these stories and reflect on how these same themes or concepts have shown up in their own lives and how they might reconnect to some of those things. Great. And uh, I think the book will be out by the time our podcast airs. So I would encourage everyone to go to any online book retailer that you can find and check out Three Colors, 12 Notes by Katherine Harrison. And you mentioned a couple of words, curiosity and creativeness. And I'm just wondering when you think about bravery, in the workplace, Catherine, you know, what words come to mind to you that you'd like to share with others? Well, first off, I love that notion. And, and I, I am so, um, I'm so appreciative of folks like yourself, Ed, who are bringing that conversation to the fore and having, you know, regular conversations about bravery in the workplace. And, and because I think, you know, one of the philosophies I have and that Purple Voodoo has is that whole human beings show up in the workplace. We don't cleave off parts of ourselves. So when we talk about being brave at work, we have to instill that sense of bravery in our core. And that shows up in other parts of our life as well. And I, I think it's an important conversation. For me, what I think of is, I kind of think of small b, little b bravery. And the little b bravery that that I think is important is that current you know, that runs through our life, right? The little B is, are you manifesting and exemplifying bravery because you're connected to and aware of and aligned with your values? You know, what you know to be true for yourself, uh, what you believe in, how you want to live and behave. And that shows up in the workplace, right? Just in terms of how do you show up? How do you interact with people? How do you bring your best self? How do you truly um, cultivate and explore your own sense of creativity and innovation in the work that you do? But also bravery in terms of the big B, I guess, which is when up against systems or infrastructures that may not align with those little B beliefs, do you stand up? You know, do you speak out? Do you, do you call it? Are you big B brave enough to say, Hey, this is what I'm observing. This is what I'm noticing. I think it can be better. You know, if I, I use this phrase a lot, when the posters on the walls and the actions in the halls don't line up, 
you know, do you, do you, do you call it out? Do you, do you stand up? And so those are the sort of the two different aspects that I think um, bravery, little B, big B, you know, a helix kind of uh, interconnectivity might show up in the workplace. Well, I love that model for the small B, big B, and that's a great mental model that our listeners can leave with to say, on the small B side, am I living a life? Do I have values that support being brave? And I think we all are brave in little ways every day. We just don't realize it or recognize it, but there are little things that we might do that took bravery that demonstrate some degree of bravery in all our lives. When we think about the big B, and this is where we might talk a little bit more, Catherine, this is in organizations or uh, entities where, like you said, does the walk, you know, do you, do you follow what the walls say and the posters and the values that are posted? And do we behave in ways that honor those? You know, many of our listeners would say, you know, they think about it and they observe it, but the culture doesn't really allow us to be brave, right? That if I go and say something that's controversial or providing someone feedback that may be hard to hear, it's unwelcome or the organization doesn't honor it, respect it, or talk about it. We just think because we put these posters on the walls that that's how everyone is. In reality, that's not how it is. So I'm just wondering if you have some more thoughts on things people could do who are experiencing the big B type of bravery, where they want to say something that needs to be said or do something that needs to be done, but they don't believe their culture or environment supports it. Yeah, well, this is a messy place, right? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) this is why we talk about this stuff a lot and why you have an entire podcast. You could talk about being brave at work over and over and over. Um, It's one of those simple but not easy um, utopian ideals, I think. Uh, I, I think the reason that it's it's messy is to your point, you know, we can talk a lot about an ideal workplace. We can talk a lot about cultural values-based behaviors of transparency and honesty and respect and inclusion, uh, diversity, um, uh, you know, authenticity, accountability, agility. I mean, everybody talks a good game. It's, it's tough to put into practice and it's even tougher I think to call out those systems and infrastructures, as you mentioned, when there is misalignment. And, and one of the things I've actually been doing a lot of, of work with, with clients of late in this area, particularly because one massive upheaval and change. So it's tough. And two, there is a heightened, uh, focal point on tough conversations around inclusion and diversity around, um, you know, social justice, et cetera, that also shows up in the workplace. And, and some of the key concepts that we have been unpacking of late has to do with personal locus of control, which is even though it may be difficult to, you know, bump up against or recreate the cultural narratives and cultural um, systems that, that within which you operate, there's always a personal locus of control that we can pause, reconnect to, and focus on what can I do even within the confines of possibly this culture, this misaligned culture. So how can I choose to ensure that what I say and do um, 
is in alignment with my beliefs? And how do I then possibly like a, you know, uh, just a really rooted community perspective, how do I observe and connect to other people within my organization who seem to be operating in the same way? Um, and, and instead of waiting for the powers that be to, you know, get with the program and shift the culture, how does an individual or a small group of individuals actually start taking back some of that personal power and making small shifts that ultimately expand and, you know, energize and activate um, culture from the ground up? Well, I think an area that people think about on that front is not just how I'm feeling, because I, I know how I feel, but how do I say what I need to say? I don't know that people even know how to say what it is that they're feeling. And because they don't know how to say it, they don't say it and they avoid it and they uh, bluff and pretend everything is okay when everything's not okay, or they just quote unquote put up with it. Uh, because they need the job or they need the uh, experience, whatever it might be. But uh, I think a lot of folks struggle on the, you know, in the area that you just mentioned, because they don't know how to put the words together to say something to you that they need to say without offending you. It's not my goal to offend you. It is not my goal to upset you. I don't think anybody wants to offend or upset a colleague or a boss, but there is something they want to share with you that they need you to hear. And I think, you know, oftentimes, Catherine, they just don't know how to say it in a way that will be well received. I fully agree with you. I had this conversation yesterday, uh, was supporting a, um, an organizational committee that has a, a very important mandate around inclusion and diversity. And, and one of the questions I was asking them, cause they had a beautifully, elegantly articulated mandate and a game plan, and they were going to, you know, do all this incredible work. And I asked them, do you feel not just ready and willing, but do you feel skilled enough to actually be able to go out and deliver on this mandate? Because they were talking about these very things. You know, do you feel that you have the skills to connect to those conversations, to prepare to have those conversations, uh, both when you have the the luxury of preparation, but also in the moment when you notice misalignment or when you notice, you know, words or actions that are um, contributing to that, the, the, the non-ideal culture. And, and for the most part, people said, no, we don't know. We, we don't know how to have those conversations. We don't know how to give feedback without coming across as confrontational or as judgmental. And I think that you know, in the work that, that you and I do, uh, with respect to, to coaching and with respect to leadership development and some of these quote unquote softer skills, I, I really strongly believe now and into the future, Ed, that these skills are going to be the absolute critical skills that all people need to learn and to develop and to put into practice. And certainly in the workplace, right? This cannot be the luxury of senior leaders who get to go on a leadership development course and get to understand, you know, how to leverage a coach approach or how to optimize appreciative inquiry or how to give feedback. It needs to be actually um, invested in so that every 
person in the organization is not only provided the the education, but is given the opportunity to develop that skill and to practice that skill in a in a safe environment. So I I agree with you. I think that that is uh, a, a big gap right now. Well, I think for our listeners, a good walk away from our conversation today, Catherine, are two things. One, this whole model, which I think is a fantastic mental model, small b, little b, uh, excuse me, small b, big b, right? Small b might be the everyday things that you do and you may or may not be recognizing that you're operating with bravery, but you might be as you navigate through your life. And then big b, right? The big events that might be happening in the workplace that require uh, the second lesson for today, which is really about skill and ensuring that you have the skill to say what you need to say or do what needs to be done, or you practice it and you find an accountability partner or you find somebody that you can practice with in order to make great progress. So it has been fantastic chatting with you today, Catherine. And if there are ways that folks can get in touch with you so they can find out more about your organization, Purple Voodoo, or the story, uh, the observations that you had today, how can they reach out to you? Uh, the best way to reach us is purplevoodoo.ca. Uh, that has everything you want to know about um, the Behavior Change and Performance Consulting Company. And katherineharrison.com is everything to do with the book, uh, Three Colors, 12 Notes, that you referred to earlier. And it's coming out November 17th. So we're really, really excited uh, to finally bring that into the world. Great. Well, I will order the book and I will read it. It looks fantastic and continued success on everything that you're doing. Thank you so much, Ed. I really appreciated our conversation today and best of luck with this. Fantastic. Thanks again, Catherine. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. And we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on Apple, Google, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine high-impact ways to take responsibility for your own success, which is available everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.